You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. This is Ask Lisa, a podcast to help people understand the psychology of parenting. Psychologist Dr. Lisa Demore, author of two New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. And I'm co-host Rena Ninen a journalist and mom of two. Some of what we talk about comes from raising children ourselves. Most of the time, I'll be getting answers to your parenting questions. So send your questions to AskLisa at DrLisaDemore.com. Episode 89, How Do I Get My Teen to Take Charge of Her Life? Well, we've got some breaking news that is absolutely incredible. Drum roll, please. <laughs> oh, Rena, that's a good Lisa. drum roll. Um, I, am I am thrilled to share <laughs> that I will be publishing a new book in February of 2023. It's available for pre-order now, but it won't come till February 2023, called The Emotional Lives of Teenagers. Exactly what parents need today. I hope it's helpful, Rena. I Oh, I know so it'll be helpful. Oh, man. I, you know, it's heartbreaking what teenagers have been through in the pandemic and in its wake. And of course, it's not like it was easy to be a teenager before the pandemic. So there's a lot to talk about. So what will you get into in this book? The way I approached the book was to really try to unpack some of the myths that we have about how teenage emotions work. It's my first all genders book, so I have an entire chapter on gender and helping people understand how we see gender and its role in the emotional lives of young people. And then it gets extremely practical in terms of what to expect when you're expecting teenage emotionality and then how to handle it so that teenagers become, and here's the subtitle of the book, Connected, Capable, and Compassionate Adolescents. Ooh, that's really good. So this will be a kind of decoding of the teenage years and how you can deal with it and what to do. Yeah. And how we help kids handle the intense emotions that come with being a teenager and especially a teenager now. So tell us the name of the book and how we can get it. So it's The Emotional Lives of Teenagers, and it's available anywhere books are sold. People can check in with their local booksellers. They can go online. And if they do reserve a copy or they order a copy early, 
Um, there are some pre-order gifts that we'll talk about soon that will be available. But more than anything, I just want people to know it's on its way and that we'll touch and touch base about it um, in the months ahead. Brilliant. So local bookstore, Amazon, you can pre-order and get it just as soon as it drops. I love it. Congratulations, Lisa. I know how hard you have been working and researching this book. It Thank is you, amazing. <laughs> well, and you it were so supportive. You know that I was sort of um, chained to my desk on this one. And I can't thank you enough for how generous and supportive you were through the process because um, writing a book is much more fun to have done than to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, did you do. You really did a lot of intense researching and putting it together. So I think people, especially our audience, will absolutely love reading this. Speaking of teenagers, so parents are always struggling to get their teens to take initiative. And that's partially why this letter stood out to us. Dear Dr. Lisa, I have a fantastic teenager in her junior year. She's amazing and handles her academic work and varsity sports requirements completely independently and is quite personable throughout. I'm grateful every day. My question is about the next level of independence. She's at the age where she needs to take on the challenges of getting a summer job, studying for the ACT, contacting college coaches, and researching colleges to learn more about them than, quote, it has a good vibe. She's reluctant to do the uncomfortable stuff like writing introductory emails, making or receiving phone calls, or organizing a plan for tracking all the information that will come at her in the next year or two. I should mention, she's also an introvert. Even when she does reach out, she's too nervous to let her wonderful, capable, charming self shine. How do I help her understand that these are crucial life skills and that the timeline is real and that to get what she wants, a great summer job, recruiting by coaches, a good range of college options, a driver's license. She needs to pick up the reins and lead the charge. Many thanks. Okay, so what's happening here? Normal development. <laughs> That's what's happening here. I just, so what I want to say is, Rena, you know, what is being described in this letter is both beautiful and entirely common. Mm -hmm. Like, I just want parents to know if this is their kid or this sounds anything like their kid, it's not like there are other teenagers out there who have all of this nailed down. Yeah. Like definitely, definitely not. Like this sounds to me so typical, so expectable, and really actually quite amazing developmentally. Mm -hmm. I mean this is a great kid. She's on it. She's doing all this good stuff. She's a super good kid. But she does as told. <laughs> she's not, and she's not chomping at the bit to do these things. And the the letter writer's right. Like this kid does need to take more ownership, and she does need to develop these skills. But the first thing we have to say is, holy moly, this is like so standard. It's incredible, and I just want parents to know that. I think there's so much a sense of like somehow. In other homes, it's going differently. Mm -hmm. It's not. Mm. It's definitely not. <laughs> you know, I my my kids sometimes accuse me of asking them to do more than in the moment they can kind of take on, that they kind of feel a little bit overwhelmed. So this is a moment where maybe she should be taking on more. How do you get kids to understand that and get them to move down that road without being totally annoying? Right. Well, okay. <laughs> We're going to be annoying. <laughs> I've completely accepted that I'm the most annoying person in my home. And I'm just going with it. So one way to think about this is to realize kids don't take this stuff over in one clean sweep. And, you know, there's sort of a stage process by which kids take on these various tasks. And 
You'll hear different models. Um, there's one I was taught by this wonderful old psychoanalyst, Erna Furman, who trained me, who used to work with toddlers. But you hear others around. Julie Lithcott-Hames has another great example of this. But the model I was taught in terms of how stuff gets handed over to kids is first we do it for them. Then we do it with them. Then we stand by to watch them do it. And then we step out of the picture altogether. And it's no accident that this was taught to me by somebody who really centered their clinical work on toddlers. Because if you think about like tying a kid's shoes, Mm -hmm. right? First, you just do it because you have to get out of the house. Yeah, true. And then you find time. And that's the challenge to sit there and teach them how, right? That you're with them as they do it. And then while they do it alone, you stand there and watch and you go, yay, fantastic, you're getting it. And then, you know, you get to a point where your kid just ties their shoes and it's not an event, right? If we use that kind of stepwise model, it's really helpful. Mm. So some of what can happen, like I think about this idea of sending introductory emails. There's no reason a high schooler would know how to send a sort of businessy email to an adult, maybe looking for a job or anything like that. So I have zero problem. In fact, I think it's really important if the parent stands there and actually dictates, says, okay, I'm going to dictate to you what I, what this email should stand, sound like, and just stands over the kid's shoulder while the kid does it. There's Why would a kid know this? And that's a good first step. So I'm a little overwhelmed just hearing, you know, there's the recruiting because this kid is a really good athlete. There's the college applications. There's school job. I'm hearing so many things in this letter. Should you walk this piece by piece and create a plan for each of them? I mean, I feel overwhelmed just reading this. It's a lot, right? And I will tell you, Rena, like this is what junior year looks like for really? kids who are ambitious and have a lot this going is too on. Much. It is. It is really, you know, I just came through this. I've had a kid yeah. as a freshman in college. Like it um it's a lot that goes on in the home. And What I will tell you is if the family can scaffold it, if the family can use this as like an incredibly teaching time, they should. And and I don't think it's a problem at all for parents to really roll up their sleeves and be like, let me show you how to do this. Let me show you how I write emails Mm -hmm. like this. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've had families where the kid needs to make a haircut appointment or a doctor's appointment. And where the parent will say, you're going to stand next to me while I call the office Mm. and you're going to hear how I do this. Because here's something really interesting to me. You know how when we were growing up, we used to hear our parents on the phone all the time? Like, Like phone calls were something that happened in the public spaces of the home constantly. And so you learn how to talk to people on the phone by listening to your parents talk to people on the phone. Mm -hmm. That's right. Our kids don't see that in the same way. And so then we're like, you need to call that office. I mean, I hear all the time the kids are like, I would sooner like pluck out my own eyelashes than pick up the phone and call (laughs) an adult. They're like, where on a website can I get this information? So it's okay if you're like, look, I'm going to call, listen to how I do it, stand right there. They will roll their eyes the whole time. That is totally fine. And then you say, okay, now you call and you make the next appointment and you stand right there. There's no shame in that. That is absolutely appropriate. So you've got to give them an example because they don't know. They've never seen it in action. You've got to show them how to do it, and then they can take the ball. Absolutely. And if we frame it in teaching, right, if we frame it in the idea of there's a whole bunch of skills that our kids do need, their life skills, as this letter writer calls them, and 
interestingly, and I found this in our own home, the college process, things like that really do kind of put a whole bunch more of those in front of your kid. Um, it's when we got really serious about thank you notes that, you know, my uh. daughter, you know, when she was younger, she would do thank you notes for birthday presents and Christmas presents. And I didn't really give much thought to them because they were basically going to people who knew us well and were relatives. Yeah. But then when it was time for my daughter to write thank you notes to people who were adults, who had maybe, you know, were strangers to her or who had interviewed her or something like that, we I actually coached her very, very, um, I don't want to use the word aggressively, but I think that's mm. the right word, coached her very closely on what a really good thank you note looks like to an adult you don't know. And it was one, tedious, two, time-consuming, yeah. three, annoying to her, and four, one of those things that I'm like, why would she know this? Yeah. And as much as this is sort of a pain for both of us, this is an incredible opportunity to teach her something that she's going to need to know. Ooh, that is good. But you're right. It takes a lot of time and effort. And I've never thought about making sure they know how to write a good thank you note. Yeah. And, you know, and there's thank you notes and thank you notes. But the day comes when your kid really needs to know how to do it. Mm. Okay, so you talk about, like, how overwhelming all these different aspects of this are. You know, the ACT stuff, the college recruiting stuff. Okay, the other thing that we want to remember in this, because you, uh, you raise the question of, like, how do we get kids to do stuff without just annoying them to, yeah. you know, high, to the heights of things? One of the beautiful things about having a high school junior is there's a lot of other adults in that kid's life, right? There's a coach. There's a college counselor at school. There might be an advisor at school. So the other strategy that parents have at their disposal is to call those people and be like, can you lean on her or where are things between you and my daughter in terms of the recruiting process? And what do we need to do, you do, and she do? But get other grown-ups to nag your kid. It goes way better. Oh, interesting. So get them on board to help you once you've had that conversation with what they need to do. If you're, you know, before you launch in on your kid, call mm -hmm. the coach mm -hmm. and say, okay, where is this? Who's responsible for what? What does she need to be doing? What do we need to be doing? What do you need to be doing? And if the coach says, oh, here are all the things your daughter needs to do or your son needs to do as part of the recruiting process, your next question should be, who tells my kid that? Mm -hmm. Do you tell my kid or do I tell my kid? Or do you send us an email together? But kids are often more at ease, especially as teenagers, with being told what to do by adults who are not their parents. And so, you know, if you've remember. got those resources available, call those people and then say, great, could you tell her that? <laughs> That's great. Um, we're going to pause, Lisa, take a quick break. And I, on the other side of this break, I want to ask you about what do you do when your kid is just nervous? Like talking to adults can be sort of nerve wracking. We want to walk through the nerves and, and see what we need to do. We'll be right back. You're listening to Ask Lisa, The Psychology of Parenting. So I'm really starting to feel it in my mid-40s, just how much stress, hormone fluctuation, and the lack of sleep can really affect the way your skin looks, from dry skin to dark spots and acne. This is why I love one skin. They can really help. They've got a simple skincare routine that tackles skin issues at the cellular level. I love that this is an all-women team of scientists. OneSkin's developed a proprietary peptide called OS1 that's scientifically validated to actually improve the health of your skin beneath the surface. No irritation, 
no complicated multi-step routine. It's so simple. I really have felt the difference in how my face looks after using this product. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company by focusing on the cellular aspect of aging. OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. So get started today. Try it out with 15% off using the code AskLisa at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with the code AskLisa. And after your purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them the Ask Lisa podcast sent you. I'm all for healthy habits, but I don't trust quick fixes. This is why I love Daily Harvest. They take all of the work out of eating well, and all I have to do is enjoy. Daily Harvest makes it so easy for me to eat in the nutritious and delicious ways that I like. They take the planning, the prep, the cleanup out of cooking, and they deliver meals that are packed with vegetables and fruits straight to my door. The other thing I love about them is that it's not the same old boring meals. I love their dragon fruit and lime smoothie. I also love their butternut squash and rosemary soup. They also have this wonderful herb squash and asparagus risotto. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com slash asklisa to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com slash asklisa for $30 off your first box and free shipping. dailyharvest.com slash asklisa. EarthBreeze EcoSheets look just like a dryer sheet, but instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra-concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. EarthBreeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using EarthBreeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment, and yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good, not just for my laundry, but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash asklisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. Welcome back to Ask Elisa, the psychology of parenting. We're talking about how do you get teens to take charge of their lives when you got to keep nudging them and being annoying. At least in this letter, the mom talks about the fact that her daughter is nervous when she reaches out to adults um, and, and doesn't feel comfortable doing that. What do you do? I think that's very common for many teens. I think it's really common and maybe much more so in the wake of the pandemic, right, where they just spent a lot of time really close to home in a very narrow circle. So the magic words in this letter are summer job. <laughs> this, you know, and this is a parent who wants this kid to get a summer job. It sounds like that's in the cards. And what I will tell you is I am so sold on the power of jobs for development in teenagers, there is something that a job can do for your kid that school cannot do, that you cannot do. Mm. And what I would say is, if this is a kid who's not that comfortable talking to adults, I would actually require her to get a retail job or a restaurant job where she has to be in communication with adults all the time. It will get better with practice, but it will only get better with practice. 
So you think having that outside experience with other adults will make them see things differently and motivate them? Yeah, I really do. And I've seen this over and over again where kids are nervous when they first start waiting on people or they are nervous when they first start taking care of customers. And then for worse often in the eyes of the kid, but I actually think better in terms of development, the customers aren't always nice. You know, the people Mm. they're dealing with in a retail setting are not always nice. And people can be pretty rude to teenagers because they see them as young and they see them as having less power. Yeah. And so getting kids in situations where they just have to manage, right? Like that's one of the challenges is that when it's all going on in your house, you can step in and rescue your kid. Right. But if they have to manage, they will. And ideally – they would have a great boss or great coworkers who can help them. You know, they also can have a lousy boss, and you learn a lot from having a lousy boss. It's not nearly as fun. But what I would say in this letter and the way we're thinking through this letter is don't wait until she's comfortable reaching out to adults for her to apply for a job, right? Because it's kind of putting things backwards. She may only get comfortable dealing with adults six months into a job where she's required to do that. Mm. So instead, I would actually put a lot of emphasis on coaching her and helping her reach out, apply for a job. You know, the parent may be doing a huge amount of scaffolding to even get the kid over the hump to make it happen. The magic will happen when she's in the job. And so Mm. it's important to help her get there. You know, it's interesting because for for getting into colleges, you need sports, you need to be honors, you need to be in this club and that club. I mean, just just the academic and part of it is so much. I having my kid get a summer job or a job period would be so low priority for me. But you're actually saying no, this is important for development. It's important for development, and it's also important for getting into college. Um, a I'm job, think, yeah, a job. Like I'm thinking back on our podcast with Jeff Salingo from season one, I think, where he was talking about who gets in and why for colleges. Yes, yes. Colleges love it when kids have had jobs. And I don't mean internships where they're just, you know, doing pretty um, comfortable work with an adult who may know them, but like Mm -hmm. job jobs, (laughs) like jobs where they, you know, where it's hard or maybe unpleasant or they're dealing with people who are really challenging. And I think that... um, I don't know why colleges love this. I'm not a college. But I will tell you, my inference on this is that part of why colleges love this is they know it means you're likely to thrive in college because college Mm. is a whole bunch of curveballs. I see. And kids who have had job jobs (laughs) are better at managing curveballs. Makes sense. So I would just, you know, for me, this letter, the the words that just like came like ringing across were summer job, summer job. And I will tell you, It's only because of my clinical experience that I have seen jobs utterly transform the most reserved and Mm -hmm. introverted teenagers into kids who can advocate for themselves, talk to adults, stand up for themselves as needed. It's really cool. So you mentioned at the top of the podcast that this is what this mom is writing about, having a teen who just doesn't take charge of her life. It's very common. You see it often. But based on your clinical practice, what do you notice, you know, in addition to getting jobs, the teens who are really able to maneuver this and and take initiative and take charge and kind of think ahead, what do they have? What have they done that makes them able to get to that level? I think they want something. 
You know, that mm. they've got some desire that is their own. Serena, I'll give you a really good example. And it's one of those things like the beauty of being a clinician is that you just learn from the people you care for. You just watch their lives unfold. So here's a story, and I'm going to change some of the details just to totally protect the confidentiality of, of, you know, this young woman who was in my care. But years ago, I cared for this girl. She was actually, I think, like a high school sophomore, tons of fun, really fun kid, but like low initiative, cutting class, like didn't care that much about stuff, um, wasn't really doing anything extracurricularly. And then she actually became totally obsessed with the city of Chicago. Like she just like mm. fell in love with Chicago. I think maybe they like took a family visit there or something. And and it had that quality that teenagers can have where they just like get really hardcore into something, you know, kind of like <laughs> devoted in a whole powerful way. And she decided that she really wanted to go to college in Chicago. And so that put some colleges on her radar that were, you know, above what she was doing academically at the time. And I watched that kid turn everything around in four months. She was suddenly going to class. She was getting good grades. She signed up for a bunch of stuff that she hadn't been doing before because she had this ambition and had finally connected the dots between, you know, what she wanted to do and what she needed to do in the moment to make it happen. Mm -hmm. So that's when I see kids really taking initiative is when they're like, I want that And if I backward engineer from the thing I want to the moment I'm in, these are the things I have to do. So if we think about this girl and in this letter, I would say on the moments where the parent is feeling like the kid's not really moving on stuff, maybe like the ACT, signing up for the ACTs, which like who wants to do that, right? Absolutely right. It's not like these are fun things. I wonder if there's a really kind way that a parent in this situation could say to the kid, look, right, who wants to deal with ACT testing or tutoring or any of it? But let's look at the colleges you're talking about. Let's look at the kind of scores they are taking. Let's see where you are on your sample tests or let's see, you know, what we know about your scores. If you want to go to X college, this has got to happen. And just Mm. being matter of fact, like you say you want this, this is part of the deal. How can we support you in getting what you want? Mm. So I love how you pointed out that this teen is actually doing a lot of things right, but might need just a little bit help and coaching in some areas she might not know how to do. What else do you see in teens like this that you think you want to flag to parents? I think that... What we want to remember in these moments is that, you know, a lot of this is about the college process. You know, a lot of what this letter is about is about the college process, what this kid needs to do, all the information coming her way, like, you know, how challenging it is. And I will tell you a metaphor about the college process that I found helpful actually personally and may be useful to some people is that the college process, it's almost like this kind of annoying roommate who moves in with the whole family (laughs) and just makes like the whole family kind of miserable when it moves in. And, you know, this family, it's moved in junior year, probably was already making its presence known in sophomore year. And it's asking a lot of the kid and it's asking a lot of the parents and it's sometimes bothering the sibling who wants no part in any of it. And I think that the more adults who are seeing all this college process demand come the family's way, 
the more they can see it is like it's us as a family versus this challenging college process, which asks a lot of everybody, the better. Because where it can get unhappy is where the parent's like, oh, my gosh, this college process is so demanding. Why isn't the kid taking care of it? Like, why is it on our plate? And that's not exactly what's being said here, but it's easy enough to picture that. Or, oh, my gosh, the college process is so demanding. Like, where's the school? Where's the college counselor? Where's the coach? Why is this coming at us? Yeah. I think the more you're like, okay, here comes this roommate. It's going to ask a lot. It's going to be loud and annoying and demanding and actually increasingly demanding through, you know, certainly through the process by which the applications get turned in. And then eventually it just moves out. But the more that around these things that have to do with the future and have to do with the very heavy demands of applying to college and being ambitious in that process if you are, the more the parent can be like, all right, kid, this is all coming at us. How do we want to divide it? What is yours? What is ours? Do we want to make a plan together so that we all know who's doing what as opposed to me just nagging you? I think Mm -hmm. the more that can be the framing, the better. That's really good. I... I just, I think over and over again, one thing I've walked away in these podcasts is just how many conversations need to happen in advance. I mean, there's so much talking and and helping and preparing, and you just can't wait until maybe they get to that point that you've got to have these talks early and often. You really do. You know, and I think the more you can act like that team, treat that kid like a teammate, like you all, you know, she wants what she wants, you want to help her get it. I think that approach is going to set the family up for success. Mm. Well, this is really helpful, Lisa. So what do you have for us for Parenting to Go? Well, it has to do with what you just said about conversations. And one of the things that parents have at their disposal, especially with an older teenager like this, is to say out loud what they're struggling with and just lay it in front of the child. So I could also imagine this parent saying something to her daughter like, look, you are incredible. You're getting all this stuff done. And yet you and I both know there's more that you need to do, and yet I don't want to lean on you. What Mm. should I do? I'm not quite sure how to handle this. And again, invite that kid in as a teammate. So not coming to this with, I've got to have all the answers, asking them what they need and then taking it from there. Yeah. How do you want me to handle this moment where you don't want to nag? You don't want to be nagged. I don't want to nag you. And yet we both know this needs to get done. What a great strategy. I love that. I love that. And that can help in so many ways. Well, thank you, Lisa. A lot to digest and chew on here. Um, But it's just a problem so many of us have with our teens that we really want them to self-motivate. And sometimes they really do struggle. They do. They do. And Lisa, next week, we're going to talk about whether or not your kids should play violent video games. I'll see you next week. See you next week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week.
It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.